Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show and thank I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. And go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... Welcome in to At The Window on the Sports Grid TV Network. Check us out, Zumo TV, channel 719. When you get a chance, do yourself a favor and get on the grid, Sports Grid. I'm Sean Guasamacchia. It's a football Friday, but I want to begin with baseball. Yes, just announced, A.J. Hinch just announced the Houston Astros manager, Zach Greinke, will start game one of the ALCS against the New York Yankees. That is set to begin Tomorrow night in Houston, Texas. He'll be followed by Verlander in game two and Garrett Cole in game number three. As for the Yankees, nothing official as of yet, and I'm checking all of the beat writers on Twitter, but it's likely, likely, nothing nothing official. Tanaka game one, Paxson game two, Severino game three, and then from there, we'll see for game four uh, where they're at, and they'll decide. That's the rumor, Jack Curry of the Yes Network was on Twitter talking about that. Uh, looks like Aaron Hicks will be on the Yankees ALCS roster. Uh, he worked out, looked good as a possible defensive replacement at the very least, so stay tuned on that. And Astros took care of business yesterday. Six, uh, 6-1 over the Rays. Uh, Tyler Glass now tipping his pitches. He admitted it or he, he fessed up to it. I mean, not knowingly, obviously, after the game. Uh, Sports Center. they had a great uh, look at it yesterday with Alex Bregman telling Carlos Correa, you know, if he's high, it's a fastball. If he's low, it's a curveball. And they had a great graphic. And if that's the reason for Glass now and the Rays losing, it's tough. It's tough to swallow. But the Astros, they're a great team regardless. Even if he didn't tip his pitches, you still think with Garrett Cole on the mound and the way he pitched, 25 strikeouts in two games. He had 10 last night that the Astros had the edge there. But you never know. But So you have to hurt for Tyler Glass now. My thing is, how in the hell does Kevin Cash, the pitching coach, the catcher, someone on that Tampa Rays team not see Tyler Glass now tipping his pitches? Like, obviously, Glass now is not um, able to see it, you know, because he's pitching. He's in the moment, right? A, a terrible job because they were demonstrative. The Astros hitters, after they saw uh, Glass now telling their opposing players, hey, listen, this is what to watch out for. All eyes have to be on those those guys, on the Astros. If you're Tampa, you have to have somebody that you assign to, to make sure no one's stealing your, your signals. And then, of course, um, you don't want to make you want to make sure your, your pitcher's not tipping his pitches. And it's common. It's happened before. Andy Pettit's admitted to this. Back in 2001 World Series, it happened to him. It's happened before in baseball. You have to be aware. So shame on the Tampa Bay Rays uh, coaching staff for not picking that up earlier. But uh, the Astros move on. They take care of business. And the Yankees now go to Houston. They have home field. But I like the Yankees in this series. Let's see if we can finally get a line on this game on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But I like the Yankees to win this series. I like the Yankees in six. That means no Garrett Cole. For game seven, although you have to believe that he'll factor in somewhere if they're up against it, three games to two, uh, Yankees with the lead, Garrett Cole B 
be in that game one way or another. But we do have on FanDuel Sportsbook the series odds, and the Yankees are plus 148 against the Astros. Astros 174, minus 174. That's to win the series. I like the Yankees in this series. I like the Yankees to do it. I like Tanaka. The big difference is you look at Tanaka's record in the regular season, eh, it leaves a lot to be desired. Postseason, he's another pitcher. He's done it time and again for the New York Yankees in high leverage situations in the postseason. I like him. He's an ace. He performs like an ace. Severino, get me through five innings. He's demonstrated that um, in his last start. Get me through five innings. Turn it over to that great bullpen for the Yankees. You have to like him there. And Paxton, not a lot to go on. I mean, his one start was four and two-thirds, three earned runs. Not great, but he did pitch well down the stretch for the Yankees, and he is familiar having played for the Seattle Mariners with the Houston Astros lineup, so that could help him there. But you're going up against Verlander. Verlander's a horse. I mean, he's done great. Forget about the three-day rest where uh, he was pitching for game four and he gave up runs to the Rays and lost the game. He's done very well. But he does give up the long ball this year with 35, 37 long balls. And what do the Yankees do? They hit the long ball. Get some guys on base. It's a different story. I think the Yankees, it bodes well game two. Paxton has to pitch his, his butt off. But, you know, the Yankees, I like the matchups. I do. Granky, not great in the postseason. Did you see him pitch against the Rays? Six earned runs. Didn't pitch well. Has a high ERA. And take out his, uh, from 2013 to 2015, where Granky was much younger and he pitched better. Um, he's really been a, a dog in the postseason, for lack of a better word. I mean, he has done nothing in the postseason. He's 35 years old. He is an ace. He does have great regular season numbers, but... In the postseason, it's a different animal. And let's look it up right here. Pitching. I looked it up earlier. I want to just get you stats um, out there. Postseason pitching. In 2011, that was a long time ago, many moons ago, eight years ago, he was with Milwaukee and did not fare well. Uh, one start, five innings, gave up four earned runs. That was from Milwaukee. In the NLCS, uh, second uh, start, he pitched for, uh, against St. Louis, six and, um, 11 and two-thirds and two starts. He gave up eight earned runs for an ERA of 6.17. So overall, in six years, nine series, he's 3-5 and five with a 4.58 ERA. His last start it was against the Rays, as I mentioned, three and two-thirds, six earned. Uh, two years ago for the Dodgers in the NLC, uh, NLDS, he one start, five innings, three earned. Before that, in the wild card, one start, three and two-thirds, four earned. So listen, Granke has not pitched well in the postseason in his last three starts. Doesn't have a great record overall for Point uh, five eight ERA with three and five with in twelve starts in seventy innings. It's a long track record. One minute. He's gonna a lot of pressure on Granky in game one. Yankees too. They need to win that game because Cole is an uh, he's a monster and he's gonna make himself a lot of money next year because he's just on a roll. Eighteen and zero in his last twenty four starts. You don't want to see him more than once if you're the New York Yankees. He is going to be hard. But Yankees, Severino, they have a bullpen. That's going to be a bullpen game, too. Severino could go five and pitch well. I, that would be uh, something for the Yankees. But I like the Yankees in six. Give me the plus 148. It's their year. All the injuries they've dealt with. They have the hitting. They have the starting pitching. And they have the bullpen. It's time to do it. Get back to the World Series for the New York Yankees. The uh, NLDS, uh, the NLCS starts tonight. Michaelis against Annabelle Sanchez, Cardinals at home, game one. Talk about that later on. But next, RPO, run pass option on player props and NFL games with Chris Kuskowski. That's next here on At The Window on Sports Grid TV Network.
DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Prop bets for the week in the NFL. Fourth and two, McCaffrey's going to pass, and wide open Martinez. How about it? At the window presents RPO. RPO is the purest form of communism. All right, let's roll. It's week number six already in the NFL. Where has the time gone? Uh, gone? Um, Chris Kofsky will join me in just a second. What we do here, it's very simple. We look at six prop bets. In the NFL, player props we want to focus on. Some NFL games as well if we have time. And we give you the option. What are we going to do? Are we going to run with it or pass on the prop bet? And to do that, here he is, the man himself. Chris Kofsky joins me. What's up, Chris? What's up, Sean? How you doing today, bud? I'm doing all right. All right. You look a little better there today. I like it. I like those uh, headphones you have on there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, how'd you do last week? Uh, I don't think uh, you did too well. I went five. I went. I had two losses. So okay. uh, not bad. Not bad. How about yeah, on the games bad. though? Uh, I went five hundred. You did better than me though. You did say Indianapolis. I was telling you Kansas City all the way. You proved me wrong, Sean. I'll give you well, that. But here, here, yeah. And uh, I, in, in full disclosure, I wish I took Indianapolis on the money line. I did not believe in them mm. that much. I, I like the points. Eleven points was a lot for me. And uh, yep, they yeah. proved me. Right, and a host of other people as well. All right, Chris, let's go with the player props RPO time. Start off with the first one. I feel like we do this guy every week, but he's got <laughs> something to prove. Baker Mayfield over or under 260 and a half passing yards against Seattle. What are you doing with this, Sean? Well, he's averaging a shade under 250 passing yards per game on the year. Coming off his worst performance as a pro, just 100 passing yards uh, just a horrendous outing against the 49ers in that tough San Francisco defense. Doesn't get any any easier with a good uh, front seven there with the Seattle Seahawks, but they have a lot to prove. They are at home. People are fading the Browns, getting off the Browns. We did this once before, Chris, when they went to Baltimore and blew out the Ravens, right? You remember that? That's true, yeah, we did. I like Baker to bounce back. He took all that crap from Richard Sherman as well. With that, you know, handshake gate, I think he's motivated to prove his doubters wrong. He plays with a chip already, over 260 and a half passing yards for Baker Mayfield on Sunday. What do you, what do you think, Chris? I'm going under. I, I knew think you the would. Browns are. I think the Browns are going to struggle mightily this week against Seattle. I love Seattle this week. I don't think Baker and oh. the Browns bounce back. Oh, Another give me the point and a half Baker. too uh, on that too. All right, yeah. Chris, we have a bet on that. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, Jimmy G against the Rams. 49ers, only one of two unbeaten teams left. Over or under 260 and a half passing yards for Jimmy G. Under. I think the way – under, under. I'm going under this one, and I'll run with this because the offensive line, McGlinchey's out now, the right tackle for the 49ers. They're already playing without Joe Stelia, their left tackle. You're going up against a ferocious pass rush with the Rams and Aaron Donald. Jimmy G, 
great start for the San Francisco 49ers. It's more because of the running game. I think they'll rely more on the running game. I don't like this matchup for Jimmy G. I'm going under 260 and a half passing yards, although that secondary for the Rams hasn't played great. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm also going under in this game. I think if Jimmy G goes over this, the 49ers are in a bad spot. It probably means they're down in this game. He has to throw the ball a lot because you're right. The recipe for their success, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. If they want to be successful, they got to run the ball. Jimmy G under the 260 and a half for me as well, Sean. All right, All right. awesome. Kirk, Kirk Cousins, oh. we're with him again for the second week in a row against the Eagles, 240 and a half passing yards. You over or under that, Sean? Boy, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was just reading about Zach Brown, the Eagles linebacker who played with Kirk Cousins, basically just tore him a new one, just nice. pulled him out. Did you just did you read this? I did not see that. No, oh, man, not. he just – I mean, I can read some quotes here. Uh, I realized when I was in Washington – this is a quote from Zach Brown, former teammate of Kirk Cousins. He was kind of careless with the ball, but at the same time, hey, you make the bed, you sleep, and I was – at the Redskins with him, so I know about him. That's my viewpoint on him. Basically, said uh, Cousins, I think every defense is going to want the guy to throw the ball for me. That's probably the weakest link of their offense is him, Kirk Cousins. That's Zach Oof. Brown, end quote. Wow. Some shots fired there, but it's not anything yeah. we didn't yeah. see ourselves, right? He did bounce Before. back last week. We thought that we were on that against mm -hmm. the Giants. Yep. This week, they're at home. Um, you know the Eagles shut down the run, so Dalvin Cook's not going to be there to save the day. You're going to have to rely on Cousins. Again, and, and But the Eagles don't have a great secondary. Oh, boy, this is a tough one. I, I'll go over. I'll go over the number just because uh, I'll be rooting for the Vikings on Sunday. What do you think? I agree. I'm going over, too. Philadelphia's secondary, they stink. A lot of <laughs> holes do. in there. I think Kirk Cousins... Easily gets over 240 and a half yards. And I actually love the Vikings at home this week against the Eagles. You do? Well, what makes you so I confident? That. I mean, look, the Eagles have a great run defense. They're going to shut down Dalvin Cook. What, what do you like? I wasn't impressed with the way the Eagles played against the Jets. Yep. I'm not going to lie. They okay. came away with a victory, but they didn't play that well. I think Carson Wentz is going to be in a lot of trouble with that Vikings front seven. I don't think they really play a good game. I think the Vikings dominate that game, honestly. All right. Well, uh, oh, well we probably differ on that as well. But I'll be rooting for the Vikings. Though. That's a different thing. All right. Um, just because uh, I have them with, with the over on the season in their win total. But all right, what's the next RPO? Of course. All right. OBJ, over or under five and a half receptions. What are uh, you doing with this, Sean? Well, he's averaging 4.6 uh, receptions per game like eight on, on like eight targets a game. He's going over this number. Baker's making it a point to target and complete passes to Odell Beckham Jr. this week. And I think that's the recipe for success for Baker. I think they're motivated. I like a big game for Baker. So I like a big game for Odell Beckham Jr. That's over five and a half receptions. Chris. I'm going under. I'm going under. You think, a, you think a big game for Baker? I don't think a good game for Baker. So I think OBJ yeah. goes under five and a half reception yards. He's getting frustrated. I think he's frustrated another week. I think Seattle secondary shuts OBJ down. Interesting. Oh, wow. All right. All right. So we differ on a, a, a bunch. Baker, Odell, yeah. and Kurt, right? Yeah. We, yeah, no. We're, no, we're, we were the same on Kurt. We're the same on Kurt. We're Jimmy G. Over. Jimmy G, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're both under and Jimmy G, too. All right. So just two differences. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's see where we go all from right. here. All right. Next. DeAndre Hopkins going against the Chiefs. Over or under 84 and a half receiving yards for DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, it was Phil, uh, Will Fuller's uh, show last week. It's time for DeAndre Hopkins, right? He has to show up here. It's going to be a high-scoring game. The total's really outrageous. Now, Mahomes, and there's, there's some injuries on that offensive line for the Chiefs. 
Tyreek Hill, we don't know if he's going to play. I think he's leaning towards playing. I think that's the report that's come out. There's no official word, but but there's a good chance uh, Tyreek Hill plays. Game time decision, of course, Andy Reid has uh, said. I say he plays. Watkins is doubtful, yeah. so that's going to hurt. So, Chris, it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I think they bounce back. Only 13 points for Pat Mahomes at home. I like over 84.5 receiving yards for DeAndre Hopkins this week. But I'm going to pass on, on the prop, though. But go ahead. I, I agree with you. I'd probably pass on this prop as well, but I think I'm going to go with over 84.5 receiving yards for DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's going to be a shootout game. Who else to get involved besides one of the best wide receivers in football than DeAndre Hopkins? All right, last one. Stephon Diggs. We know he's getting a little frustrated. He wants the ball over or under 54 and a half receiving yards. Well, I mean, look. Adam Thielen. What do you? I, you go first on this one. I'll give you a chance. I'm go, I'm going over. I love. I said it. I love the Vikings this week. I love the offense. Last week we saw Adam Thielen complain. He got the ball a lot. Two touchdowns over 100 yards. Stephon Diggs time. He's gonna have a big game this week. Him and Thielen both. I think we're going to have a big game because I think the Vikings, like I said before, will have a huge game over the Eagles. I agree. I, I think it's over on this as well. The only reason, but but last week I thought Diggs would go over too. I thought Diggs would have a big uh, performance. Only, what, 45 receiving yards, 44 receiving mm-hmm. yards. Thielen was the beneficiary of uh, Kirk Cousins' passing yards, uh, had a big week. I think Cousins bounces back. I think he has a, a good performance. But uh, Diggs, oh, All right, I'll go over. I'll, I'll just go over. But I think it's going to be close, uh, Chris. Yeah, it, it will be. And Thielen's supposed to play now, too, as well. He was questionable. He is now off the injury report with his illness he had. All right. We have 30 seconds, Chris. Give me your NFL best bet of the week. Um, do you like any games on the board? I mean, you mentioned the Vikings. Is that your best bet? They're minus three. No. I think my I think my best three, Seattle minus one and a half, Minnesota minus three, L.A. minus six and a half, the Chargers on Sunday night. All right, I, I disagree on probably all of them. Uh, no, That's all right. <laughs> so we don't have time. We're out of time. I'll give my best picks later on. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. All right, there he is, Chris Kofsky, doing a great job. All right, coming back, Russell Baxter, NFL historian, used to work for uh, ESPN, did a great job as a researcher. He will join me next with some nuggets, some facts about NFL Week Six. That's next here on At the Window on the Sports Grid TV Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Here on At The Window on the Sports Grid TV Network, Zumo TV, Channel 719. I'm Sean Guasamacchia. Talking NFL week number six. And who better than Russell Baxter? You can find him on Twitter, at BaxFootballGuru. NFL historian, researcher. You can find him on Fansided.com, NFL Spin Zone. He does it all. He's Russell Baxter. Russell, welcome to the show. Thanks for a couple minutes. You got it, Sean. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, 
been a big fan of yours for years, and I follow you. And uh, who better than to break down these games than you? Uh, let's start. The London game, Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Bucks, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time start here on the East Coast. Uh, what what about this game really intrigues you? Um, the Bucks are favored by uh, – actually, they're not. The Panthers are favored by two points. Well, when these teams played earlier this year, and this is the first rematch of the year in the league, um, it was Cam Newton on a Thursday night, and as we learned, he wasn't necessarily uh, very healthy. Um, they settled for four field goals, got a safety. Um, Christian McCaffrey tried to sweep wide on a fourth down play late in the game. Mm. Todd Bowles' defense rose up, uh, beat him 20 to 14. Uh, Kyle Allen is a different quarterback than Cam Newton, and they've gotten awfully comfortable uh, on offense, uh, especially running the football. They gashed Jack- Jacksonville in a big way. Tampa's defense is it's just spotty. I mean, I mean, I think Todd Bowles is a good defensive coordinator, but, you know, and I'm not even going by the Rams game, yeah. okay? So, uh, you know, they had a lot of passing yards they gave up in that game, um, you know, with the Rams, but they didn't give up much on the ground. Uh, but, you know, we also saw them uh, blow a 28-10 lead uh, to the New York Giants. Uh, so uh, up and down, up and down, up and down are the Buccaneers. They had trouble with Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints offense last week. Um, Carolina just seems to have a lot of momentum right yeah. now. They look like a different football team. They look like a uh, a faster football team. Um, they're getting plays from their defense, the rookie Brian Burns. Uh, I won't be surprised if they even things up uh, against the Bucs. The Bucs have just been too up and down, whereas Carolina's won three in a row after losing their first two. Yeah, and Kyle Allen, yeah, he's, he's played great in relief of Cam Newton. Uh, let's see if he can keep that going against Tampa Bay. And Jameis Winston, for, for all the flack that he takes, last two games he's played well. So uh, maybe that Bruce Arian system he's getting used to and he's finding some success. I want to uh, switch gears to the Kansas City Chiefs, Russell, playing the Houston Texans. What happened to the Chiefs' offense last week? Just 13 points against the Colts. Do they bounce back against the Houston Texans this week? Well, I've been watching football for 50 years. Uh, this is the 100th year of the league. And uh, after doing extensive research for five decades, uh, I learned that it's hard to throw a touchdown pass when your quarterback is on the sideline. Um, <laughs> doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. But look with the Colts. The Chiefs' defense, Sean, from a year ago, is only different in scheme. It's not different in, in effectiveness. Yeah. It's still an issue. And the Indianapolis Colts, who have one of the best offensive lines in the league and a, and a powerhouse in Quentin Nelson at guard, they just ran the ball at will and kept them off the field. It's the oldest trick in the book. Um, play keep away against those high-scoring offenses. That's why in NFL history, if you don't have a defense, you're in trouble. There have been 11 th- – th- uh, let me rephrase. The 11 highest-scoring teams in NFL history – Points in the season, the top eleven, do not have a Super Bowl title. Interesting. That's a great. That's a great nugget. Yeah, I get lucky every once in a while. Yeah, I know. I don't know. We know you. Uh, you have those nuggets. <laughs> Russell loves those nuggets, and we love them too. Uh, talk about. I like the, retro yeah. nuggets, to be honest. With you, so. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, I like them too. Not bad. Talk about the Forty Niners. Surprisingly, just destroyed, or maybe unsurprisingly to some, the Browns on Monday Night Football. They're undefeated. They have to travel to L.A. to take on the Rams, though. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. 
Todd Gurley, doubtful to play, as we learned today. So that might affect things for the Rams. But do the 49ers continue to win and, and get through undefeated after this game? Well, the matchup here is uh, that San Francisco uh, offensive line, which is battered, okay, especially at the tackle spots. Um, can they hold up against Aaron Donald? Now, the, the Rams don't have Clay Matthews here. I believe he broke his jaw, so he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. But, I mean, they still have Michael Brockers. They still have Dante Fowler. Can they give Jimmy Garoppolo enough time to throw? Can they give him, you know, can Matt Breida in that running game prosper like they did last week? The Rams are not a great run defense. They're more of an uphill defense, up-the-field defense with Donald and all that. They get sacks. They get takeaways. Um, but, you know, you, you look at uh, Jared Goff, who's turned over the ball, what, eight times, I think, in the last three games? Yep. Um, and they are out of sorts right now. They're not getting any balance because of Gurley not being there. But they're also, I don't think, trying to run the football as well. Now, to me, this is a, the acid test for the 49ers in this sense. First off, they played the Rams twice last year. They gave up a combined 87 points. Wow. in the two games they played against them. Wow. Second off, um, this is the team the last five years, and this, by the way, it's the 49ers' first divisional game of the season, versus the NFC West the last five years, Sean, 7-23. Mm-hmm. and 23. Mm-hmm. And if you think that's just because the Rams and the Seahawks are good, it might surprise some people to know that the 49ers have lost eight straight games to the Arizona Cardinals. How about that? Yeah, you know, that, okay. that, yeah, that by, surprises by me. by the way, the Cardinals won three games last year, and two of them were against the 49ers. That's amazing. So, That's a good one. I yeah. like that. So, I mean, how you, you know, it, it's so interesting. You see teams get off the good starts, and you see get, teams get off the bad starts. But what I like to look at is who have they played within their division, which would either give them an opportunity or put them in a hole this early. In other words, you look at Washington, who is 0-5. Yep. They're already 0-3 in the division. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the best they can do is get back to three and three. So that's like climbing a double hill. Yeah. I look at a team like Atlanta, who's off to a lousy start. They haven't played anybody in their division yet. Okay, they don't. I don't think they play anyone until the middle of the year, and then they play five straight games in the division. So it's about opportunity as much as anything else. If you're going to climb out of a hole or find out just how real you are, and, and that's not a knock on the 49ers. They've already won as many games as they did all of last season. They look like a very, very fast football team in that defensive line in which they have added a lot of first-rounders, either via the draft or trade, the last four or five years, might have hit the mother load with Nick Boza. He kind of is an emotional catalyst for them. DeForest Buckner got a lot of sacks last year, but you know Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead, they brought in D. Ford. He's now a little banged up. Yeah. That, remember that defense last year? Yeah. They set two NFL records. Two interceptions and seven takeaways. That's the fewest ever in a season. Okay, Amazing. That, yep. They got three picks week one and two pick sixes against Jameis Winston. I want to say their takeaway count right now is up to 11 in, five ga- in four games. So it's a different-looking team. It's a fast team. But they just look faster than Cleveland. And will they be too fast for the Rams right now? The Rams are kind of – well, I can't say they're scratching their heads. They're kind of scratching their helmets. <laughs> yeah, they are, but uh, – I'm thinking I'm leaning Rams in this game for everything that you just well, you talked about. Be, listen, since Sean McGay got there, it's only two years. He's 3-1 and one against the 49ers, and I say that preface with the fact that the 49ers 
only win the last two years was when Sean McVay rested everybody in Week 17 at Los Angeles before they went into the playoffs. Yeah, right. So you can't look at that game. Yep. All right. Uh, one other game I want to get to. Russell talking with Russell Baxter on Twitter at BaxFootballGuru, NFL historian, researcher, works for Fansided.com and NFL Spin Zone as well. The Philadelphia Eagles against the Minnesota Vikings. That's in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins. We know the, the Eagles shut down the run, uh, Russell. It's going to be on Kirk Cousins to pass the football against the suspect Eagles secondary. Do you look for Kirk Cousins to you know, play better than he has you know, outside the game against the Giants? Does Kirk Cousins have a good game here against the Eagles this weekend? Well, I don't know if you can call the Eagles' defense suspect. I would call them guilty. The secondary. The secondary is kind of suspect. No, I'm talking about, no, they're guilty. Oh. Being <laughs> <Yeah>. suspect. Guilty. <laughs> they're not very good. good. They haven't been, I mean, let's not forget, the year they won the Super Bowl in that building where they're going back to, by the way, this week, um, they gave up 505 passing yards to Tom Brady in a win. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So, last year, the run defense wasn't as good as it was the year before, which was outstanding but they had some issues in the second day. They've had an awful time trying to getting cornerbacks to stay healthy. They had got a big game out of Orlando Scandrick last week. He had a couple sacks. He had a, a fumble return for a touchdown. But, I mean, they're, they give up a lot of passing yards. I mean, you know, the Eagles were down 17 nothing to the Redskins in the second quarter back on opening day. So, um, and, and I like what you said about Kirk Cousins and the Giants because the Giants' defense really doesn't offer – Right. Uh, a big asset test and so on. It's just going to depend on game plan. But I think what it's also going to depend on is both of these quarterbacks hanging on to the football when or if they get sacked. Carson Wentz is not great when it comes to ball security when he gets hit. Kirk Cousins is even worse. Yeah, he's bad. Okay? And that, to me, is a, a big – that's my biggest issue with Kirk Cousins is not protecting the football. We see quarterbacks – Dak Prescott got sacked, I think, more than 50 times last year. He didn't lose seven fumbles, okay? you got to be able to feel that rush and live for another day. But, if, I mean, you go back to that Buffalo game last year uh, at, at Minnesota and uh, what a disaster yeah. that was. Well, yeah, everyone lost uh, in their survivor pools in that game. <laughs> well, poor. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Kirk Cousins, he didn't lose them all. He fumbled four times the first oh, Amazing, game. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... That create a short field. I mean, listen, let's, let's be honest. The Eagles know something about a strip sack, uh, a strip sack fumble in that building. Do they not? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I mean, but Brandon Graham, didn't he win the Super Bowl that way? But, yeah, um, well, they secured it at the very least. So. Thanks for the time, Russell. That's all the time we have. Um, I, I hopefully, Russell helped you out there with a few NFL Week 6 matchups. Thanks, Russell. You got it. All right, he is the man. Love Russell. Up next, college football week seven. We'll look at that on At The Window. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Well, why not use the most accurate projections in fantasy football? That's right. Fantasy Pros has independently rated Daily Roto number one most accurate projection system to start the 2019 fantasy football season. Let the most accurate projections in DFS take you to the next level. Save 10% with promo code ACTION and you can become Daily Roto's eighth Daily Fantasy Millionaire. Head on over to DailyRoto.com slash premium to learn more. That's DailyRoto.com slash premium promo code ACTION for your 10% discount on the most accurate DFS projection system you can get. DailyRoto.com where millionaires are made. Welcome back into At the Window on the Fantasy uh, Daily Roto. If you want to get into the fantasy, that's that. we'll check that a little bit later, but we are on the Sports Grid TV network. Get on the grid, Sports Grid, and I am going to talk college football right now. And who else? It's a Friday. Then Pete Futek from College Football News. Pete, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you. How's everything going in your world? Yeah, everything's great. I mean, Michigan squeaked one out. Uh, it was ugly, but they got the win against Iowa, so they're still in it for the Big Ten Championship, right? Can't, can't rule them out, as you yeah, said. You know what? That's the kind of win that Harbaugh never gets credit for. And I know that it's all about, can you beat Ohio State? No. Notre Dame he and Michigan really State. Yep. No. <laughs> uh, but he wins a whole lot of mid-range games. They kind of just get thrown on the pile. And I'm kind of a Harbaugh apologist. In that, yeah, of course he needs to start winning some bigger games. But he, compared to most coaches in the Power Five, he's right up there. And the stat is that he's one of the six. He's, got, he's among the top six coach, uh, Power Five coaches in just wins over the last four years. I mean, he wins a lot of games. He just doesn't win the ones that everybody watches. Yeah, and he should win this week. They're playing Illinois and Lovey Smith and that terrible defense and uh, 23 is a spread. I think they cover that, even though they're on the road and Shea Patterson has not looked great, continues to look terrible and Josh Gaddis, but, but they should win that game. And that's not one of the, the marquee games, uh, Pete. So I don't want to be too uh, pro-Michigan here. Uh, one game, though, tonight. It's all money no matter what <laughs> game you bet on. It. That it's, is true. They're that all the true. same money to you. That is true. And, and Colorado at Oregon is the game tonight I'm looking at as far as money is concerned. The uh, Ducks are favored by 22 points. 16 and a half is the total. I know the Ducks have played great defense, but I don't really trust that schedule and the teams they played. California didn't have their their starting quarterback. It was a, a, a backup quarterback monster. Um, so that's the reason uh, for the lack of offense for California, not crediting Oregon there. I just I haven't seen them against a, a good uh, offense since Auburn and Bo Nix went down the field and won that game 27-21 week one. Colorado comes in there, 22-point dogs. I like Colorado in this one. What say you? They're missing a lot of their parts, though. Uh, the problem is they're missing two of their top three receivers, including LaVisca Chanel. Uh, the, the thing about Oregon, and I'm with you, actually, because I think this is one of those low-scoring games, is that Oregon has the ability to blow up. They've got the talent to, to crank up the offense. They just don't do it. It's just their style where okay. they know they've got one of the best defenses in the country. They know that they've got the firepower on offense. But they know as long as they got, they don't screw up, let the defense take care of everything else, they've got it. So Justin Herbert's not throwing deep. He's throwing these dink and dunk mid-range passes. Unimpressed with him, by wins. the way. Yeah. To your point, yeah. yeah, to your point, I think they keep it close only because it's just not Oregon's M.O., but you are a little worried that if they decide, you know what, this is the night we're going to go all out, 
they could hang 50 on the board by themselves. But again, they just don't do it. So do you like the underplay in this one better? 60 and a half is the total. You like the under? Yeah, I do. I mean, again, because Oregon defense is shutting down everybody. And again, Colorado missing two key parts. That's just a lot going their way. If it doesn't go that way, then all right, fine. It's just a bad day. But I, I, if you're going with what's been happening so far until we've seen something else, yeah, go with the under, go with Colorado, because Oregon's just not exploding. They just win games, you know, 31 to 10 type of thing, and then they just kind of move on. All right, let, let's move on to Saturday football, the Red River shootout, I like to call it. I'm still going to call it there, and, and I know when I PC here, Pete, it's, it's the Red River, what, showdown, I think they call it now, rivalry, I don't know, they it keep It's a showdown because saying Red River rivalry is really painfully hard. <laughs> a little, and yeah, yeah. shootout, yes, you're, literal, you're ba- yeah. and you're a bad person, you're for guns. Exactly, that's the thing, right? Oh, man, what a shame. All right, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, we're talking about at the, uh, is it still in the Cotton Bowl, or is it in Jerry World now? Yeah. No, it's a Cotton Bowl. Right. It's still, it's still there. It's still got the. It's still got. It's still one of the great atmospheres. You do have one side all burnt orange, one side crimson. Oh, I've been there for the game. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there. All right, uh, twelve o'clock uh, Eastern time. Ten and a half point favorites. The Sooners in this one. Seventy-five and a half is the total. Ah, oh, boy. I go back and forth. I Look, I don't think Oklahoma is going to get shut down by the Texas defense. You you always talk about the secondary of Texas didn't look impressive against LSU and Joe Burrow. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Jalen Hurts is going to he's, he's gonna light it up. But I think Texas hangs in there in this one. The, the 10.5 kind of scares me a little bit, but I'm going to lean towards the points in Texas in this game. What say you? Yeah, I've got the article up right now on College Football News with the 10 best picks against the spread this week. And there's a theme. There's a lot of big games and a lot of double digit underdogs and love pretty much all of the double digit underdogs. This one seems way too obvious. There's a thing that keeps kind of getting forgotten about here. Oklahoma hasn't played anybody. You look, I mean, okay. They blew out Texas tech, which is all right, but really UCLA, South Dakota, uh, Kansas, you know, Houston's not doing anything. They just haven't done anything yet against a team with real guys. And, yes, the, the Texas defense is a disaster, uh, but they do have NFL talents there. They just have, haven't decided to tackle quite yet. But this is a game that's always close. The last time it's been within uh, – last time Texas has lost by more than 10 points was in 2011. This just scre- – like, Texas could win this outright. This game is always just that weird. And you're getting 10.5 points, even if it doesn't work out, it's the correct shot to take. All right, Florida LSU, 13 and a half. The, the uh, Tigers are favorite over the Gators. I, I do too. I, I, I like them to cover LSU. Is that what you're saying? You love it? Oh, Florida. Oh, God. Is, I, I keep again, going against them, though, Pete. Again, but yeah. Again, They're on the road in the Baton Rouge, place. you know, at night. That's, that's tricky. It's in the, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily. Again, give me who LSU has played. They haven't played a D. They've played Vanderbilt. Oh, Texas. They've played Utah State. Texas. They've played Texas with the 126th ranked defense in college football and a secondary that's giving up 325 yards per game. They got to go against the defense that's got real dudes. That's an NFL secondary that Joe Burrow finally gets to go against. That is an NFL defensive line that Florida has. Now, the concern is that the LSU defense shows up finally. That's the only concern here. I think this is going to be a lower-scoring game. I think this whole Joe Burrow thing has been cute, 
and Florida's defense comes up and just drops a hammer. Wow. The problem with it, though, is okay. Kyle Trask is a little bit hurt. He's a little bit banged up. And maybe Florida's offense just doesn't do much of anything. I see this being a low-scoring battle. I love Florida getting 13.5 in this. And on the flip side, let's say Burrow does go off. Let's say LSU does rock. Let's say this offense is the real deal. Then, okay, let's go. LSU, probably number one team in the country, Joe Burrow, right there in the Heisman mix. I just want to see him do it against a defense that's got this type of talent. All right, and I think he'll do it. I don't think there's any anything that's going to slow him down. It's at home, Baton Rouge at night. You know it's tough to play there, Pete. 13 and a half is a big spread, big number there. But the first half uh, total points in this game, 28 for the full game, 56 do you like any of those plays uh, on the total? 56? Under, under, like under, under. No ca- under. How about for the home team? Yeah. Under 40, uh, 34 and a half for the LSU Tigers in this game? Oh, points to score 34 and a half? Way under. I mean, again, yeah. look at that Auburn game. I know Auburn doesn't have LSU's offense, but this, again, this Florida defense is the absolute real deal. So either lsu is amazing and yeah. then okay yeah enough of this let's let's really include them in the national championship chase or else florida just underplays again my concern here is more about the florida offense not scoring i yep. think the florida d rises up and they have something for mr burrow i just don't i'm just not a thousand percent sold that this florida offense is going to be able to do much of anything but they got the offensive line they got the power game i again look at who lsu has played they have not played any caliber of defense yet so far this year fair points all right let's move on uh usc at notre dame notre dame is favored by 10 and a half in this game 59 is a total no uh the uh, usc gets their quarterback uh slovis back so matt fink that that, that experiment for now that no, i shouldn't say experiment but the, but the matt fink era is over for now um and slovis is a better quarterback they get him back that should help Anybody slowing down this this uh, Notre Dame team? They covered against Bowling Green. It was forty five and a half the spread last week. They covered that. Love that me. one. Uh, yeah. Um, but now it's ten and a half at home against USC. What do you like in this one? Yeah, I have a problem with this one only because obviously, again, like my theme of the week is that I'm liking these double digit dogs. But yet Notre Dame's playing well. I mean, I loved Virginia. I thought that was an, a slam dunk getting them fourteen. Obviously. The Irish rose up and rocked in the second half and I ended like that. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame, I loved last week, even though I hate giving away 40 points to anybody. Uh, and this week, I just, it, it's the rivalry aspect of it. USC's got the receivers that can give the Notre Dame secondary problems. And despite getting three of their quarterbacks killed so far, this USC offensive line is actually really good. It's not going to be a power running thing, but they're really good in pass protection. I kind of see this being one of those games where Notre Dame is up easily. They got control of it all game long. And then Slovich just bombs away and they backdoor cover really late. And just just a late touchdown screws everything up. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sticking with my theme of going with the double-digit underdogs this week, but I don't really like it that much. Yeah, it seems like a pass. Uh, that's what I'm reading into this uh, for you uh, on best plays of the weekend. All right, let's go to the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah you know, much there. Yeah. Big Ten, Penn State at Iowa. Speaking of teams, Penn State hasn't really played anybody. I know they they beat Pitt. They played Pitt, and Pitt, uh, Pitt beat UCF. I get it, but Penn State hasn't played anybody. And Maryland stinks, right? We yep. could all agree on that. Um, yep. uh, who are, yep. Idaho? I mean, they, they just their schedule is terrible. Uh, they have to go to Iowa City now. And uh, a team that put up three points in a stinker at the big house in Iowa, 
Three and a half. They're favored by three and a half. I like I like the Hawkeyes in this one. What, what do you like in, in this game? I hate. It's another one I hate. To your point, there, there's two ways to look at it. Penn State hasn't played anybody yet, but then they also had a, a, a younger team with a new quarterback that needed those five games to yeah. tune up, and now they're exploding. I mean, yeah, Maryland stinks. Yeah, Purdue stinks. But they were flawless in those two games. So maybe there's a chance that this team just needed the time to kind of get, get its groove and figure it out. Penn State has dominated this series over the last several years. Uh, the problem is, though, that Iowa team, the Iowa style, Penn State does not control the clock. Time of possession is not a thing for this team. And Iowa just goes sit on the ball for That's what they're going to do. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's so I hate it. I hate thinking that Penn State is good as it looks. I kind of see this being more like the Penn State Pitt game, where it's a little bit more low scoring, and it's at home. Iowa could win this outright. I hate. I, I, I'm doing everything I don't like, which is thinking that Penn State could win but not cover three and a half. I think this comes down to a late field goal in a tight game. Uh, so I, I guess I'm saying I'd like the under. And I kind of sheepishly like Iowa just because it could win this thing outright and you're getting a couple points. I like I like that too as well. And we don't have time. We only have 20 seconds left. Michigan State, Wisconsin. Wisconsin favored by 10.5. I do like the under total 40.5 in this game. Real quick, 10 seconds, Pete. Any any player here? Uh, actually, yeah, go with Michigan State again. Double-digit dog in this. Uh, Low-scoring fight. All right, Pete Futek, College Football News, read his stuff. He has a great breakdown of the games this week. Thanks, Pete. Later. That'll do it for At the Window. Up next, game time decisions with Gabe Renzi and Cam Stewart Live. He is, they are next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Broke the window again. Here's what you missed on At The Window. Just announced, A.J. Hinch just announced the Houston Astros manager, Zach Greinke, will start game one of the ALCS against the New York Yankees. That is set to begin tomorrow night in Houston, Texas. He will be followed by Verlander in game two and Garrett Cole in game number three. As for the Yankees, nothing official as of yet, and I'm checking all of the beat writers on Twitter, but it's likely, likely, nothing nothing official, Tanaka game one, Paxson game two, Severino game three, and then from there, we'll see for game four uh, where they're at, and they'll decide. That's the rumor. Jack Curry of the Yes Network was on Twitter talking about that. Uh, looks like Aaron Hicks will be on the Yankees ALCS roster. Uh, he worked out, looked good as a possible defensive replacement at the very least, so... Stay tuned on that. And Astros took care of business yesterday. Six, uh, six one over the Rays. Uh, Tyler Glass now tipping his pitches. He admitted it or he, he fessed up to it. I mean, not knowingly, obviously. After the game, 
Uh, Sports Center, they had a great uh, look at it yesterday with Alex Bregman telling Carlos Correa, you know, if he's high, it's a fastball. If he's low, it's a curveball. And they had a great graphic. And if that's the reason for Glass now and the Rays losing, it's tough. It's tough to swallow. But the Astros, they're a great team regardless. Even if he didn't tip his pitches, you still think with Garrett Cole on the mound and the way he pitched, 25 strikeouts in two games, he had 10 last night that the Astros had the edge there. But you never know. But So you have to hurt for Tyler Glass now. My thing is, how in the hell does Kevin Cash, the pitching coach, the catcher, someone on that Tampa Rays team not see Tyler Glass now tipping his pitches? Like, obviously, Glass now is not um, able to see it, you know, because he's pitching. He's in the moment, right? But a terrible job because they were demonstrative. The Astros hitters, after they saw uh, Glass now telling their opposing players, hey, listen, this is what to watch out for. All eyes have to be on those those guys, on the Astros. If you're Tampa, you have to have somebody that you assign to, to make sure no one's stealing your, your signals. And then, of course, um, you don't want to make you want to make sure your, your pitcher's not tipping his pitches. And it's common. It's happened before. Andy Pettit's admitted to this back in 2001 World Series. It happened to him. It's happened before in baseball. You have to be aware. So shame on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, coaching staff for not picking that up earlier, but uh, the Astros move on.